Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to check out the KIB pod, whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Thank you so much for taking the time to check out the KIB podcast. A little bit of a different episode this time around. Going to have a guest on. We're going to have a voice of the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs, Mitch Stewart, on to kind of talk about the league as a whole, but uh, more specifically talk about the Knoxville Roanoke game coming up on Friday. Thought it'd be fun to get a preview for this week's matchup. Uh, Knoxville plays Roanoke more than any other team this season. 11 meetings scheduled between the two teams and nearly two full months into the year, they haven't seen each other yet. So Knoxville and Roanoke are actually going to be two of the first teams to face all nine opponents in the league this season. Knoxville has yet to face Roanoke and Quad City and Roanoke has yet to face Knoxville and Birmingham those are the two teams that each of those squads play this Friday and Saturday. Roanoke will take on Birmingham on Saturday after facing Knoxville the night before. So I think it's a good time to have Mitch on. Uh, you've kind of been hearing him on Roanoke games for the last couple of years now. He's in his third season with the Rail Yard Dogs, and I think you'll enjoy hearing what he has to say coming up in just a moment. Uh, to quickly recap everything for Knoxville, the Ice Bears sweep the weekend at Macon. And I think you're seeing a bit of a progression with this team. I know we've talked about that a lot, but when you kind of compare the three different weekends that Knoxville has faced Macon, Knoxville's taken on the mayhem six times this season. All of them have been in three separate two-game weekends. So the first one to kick off the season, Knoxville gets outscored 9-3, to gets crushed in game one, doesn't generate any offense in game two, and gets swept two games at the Macon Coliseum. Then you fast forward to... Late November, it's a home-and-home home series. Knoxville has to rally from behind to win at home. They were trailing 3-1 to one after the first. We're down 3-2 to two with less than three minutes to go. They get a couple of fortunate bounces, and Jordy Stallard scores twice in the final two and a half minutes. Knoxville wins the game 4-3. to three. And then the following night, back in Macon, Knoxville trailing in the third period. Cole McKechnie scores the equalizer in the third. Dawson McKinney scores the overtime winner. And so Knoxville completes another comeback win. This past weekend... Two games in Macon, Knoxville never trails, slow starts in both periods, but in both games in the first period, but Knoxville ultimately takes charge in the third period on Friday and then on Saturday finds a way to uh, continue the offensive swing and and generate some offense in the second period and then hang on. And Marco Costantini had a great debut, a shutout in his first professional game and was 92 seconds away from Back-to-back shutouts, a defensive zone turnover for Knoxville leads to a three-on-one for Macon, and Michael McChesney spoiled a shutout. But still, all in all, a really good performance for Costantini. Saw a lot more pucks on Saturday than he did on Friday. Probably saw more grade-A chances on Friday, though, especially in that first period. I thought Knoxville did a good job at possessing the puck and kept working and working and then eventually scored in the third period on Friday and then got the insurance marker later on and Jordy Stallard closed it out with an empty netter there late. And then on 
Saturday, you see Knoxville take advantage early in the second period on its first power play. Then they ultimately extend the lead to three goals, and then they trade off after Macon scores one. McKechnie gets an empty netter. So all in all, I think you've kind of seen how Knoxville's fared. And and it's look, it's a five-game win streak for Knoxville. It's kind of hard to test how well a team is playing when four of those wins come against the same team, regardless of where they are in the league standings. So it's a little weird. Granted, it's hard to beat a team in four consecutive games. It's one thing to have a four-game win streak against a single opponent over the course of a couple of months if you see a team once here and then twice here and then once here. But Knoxville had four consecutive games against the same opponent and won all four of them. So there's definitely, you know, tip of the cap, hey, winning you know two points or two points and you know, Knoxville's job each game is to just go out and try to score more goals than the team in front of it. But I think when you're talking about parity in this league, it really feels like there's not a single night where you can kind of relax. I mean, Knoxville has had to scratch and claw its way to wins against Macon. It had to fight off a lot of power play opportunities for Evansville. And, and I just bring those two teams up because those are the two teams that are below Knoxville in the standings right now. Knoxville is going to have a chance to really make a, a decent jump forward with games against Roanoke and Quad City coming up. Before the end of December, Knoxville will play Roanoke three times. They'll play Quad City twice. And so there's this log jam in the standings right now a, a little bit where Knoxville's three points behind Roanoke. Roanoke has a game in hand. And then Knoxville and Quad City are tied, and Quad has four games in hand. But you kind of see how these games could potentially play out elsewhere around the rest of the league. Knoxville has a, a game in hand over Huntsville, Huntsville leads by two points. So depending on what the Havoc do, depending on what Knoxville does, what Roanoke and Quad City do, you know, maybe maybe Knoxville is able to push forward. Now you also have to be careful because at the same time, with as tough as Macon has been so far this season, despite their record, if Knoxville's not careful and and drops a bunch of games between now and New Year's Day, Macon could leapfrog Knoxville. So you're still at that point where it's early enough in the season where a couple of good weekends here and there, you're suddenly looking at a very different point in the standings. And Knoxville's obviously done that after an 0-6 start, sitting in dead last. Suddenly they've won eight of their last 11 games, and now they're in playoff positioning as of right now and and still trying to climb up higher with a, a lot to look forward to. With it's, it's quality games. Like, every game feels like it's big now. And, you know, we're, we're going to see teams' identities really show over the course of the season. We'll see if Knoxville's in the mix when we get to April, but... Right now, you, you kind of have this cycle of teams just all playing each other and, and beating each other. You know, uh, Knoxville's beaten Peoria. Peoria's beaten Evansville. Evansville's beaten um, Macon. Macon's beaten Birmingham. Birmingham's beaten Pensy. Pensy's beaten Roanoke. Roanoke has beaten Fayetteville. You know, Fayetteville's beaten Huntsville. It's, it's So it's just, you've got this whole cycle from all 10 teams where any given night, a team can beat another team. And that's obviously the case always in professional hockey, but particularly this year, I know last year there was, you know, a lot of, of closeness in terms of seating uh, for teams three through six in the SPHL standings last year, Huntsville in third, Knoxville in six, and Knoxville was two wins away from being the three seed. That's how close it was. And when you consider all the come from behind losses that Knoxville suffered late last season, really goes to show how close Knoxville legitimately was to having home ice advantage. I mean, they were one win away from being the four seed. So, you know, if they beat Roanoke in the season finale, they leapfrog Evansville and Roanoke, and instead of going to Huntsville, they're hosting the Railyard Dogs. And 
you know, granted with where Knoxville was at and how well Roanoke was playing, you know, maybe that doesn't make as much of a difference as far as Knoxville's season, but you know, it changes up the the overall playoff picture. But I think going into the postseason, you saw how how there were some tiers. The top four teams in the league still made the semifinals. Roanoke really didn't have much trouble with Evansville. Huntsville really had an easy time with Knoxville in game one and then was able to come from behind in game two in Knoxville. So it, it you know, it, it there, there were tears still when you, once you got to the postseason. This season doesn't quite feel that way yet. I know that Peoria is five and five in their last 10. Roanoke and Huntsville only have four wins in their last 10 games. I would still, you know, venture to think that those teams are going to figure it out. Huntsville's big on culture. They're big on defense. They've had good goaltending so far this season. Roanoke getting Austin Rodebush back is is a big help. They had a really nice win over Fayetteville on Saturday. We're going to talk to Mitch about that and more coming up on the other side. But all in all, hey, it's a successful business trip for Knoxville. And now they get six straight home games where they've only had five home games in their first 17 games so far this season. You look around at, at some of the you know, the interesting home and away comparisons. Like Quad City's played 13 games. That's the fewest in the league. 11 of them have been at home. And their two road games have been at Peoria and Evansville. So they haven't left the Midwest. And they're going to face Peoria for a home and home on Thursday and Friday. And then they're going to come to Knoxville. So Saturday night's game between Knoxville and Quad City will be Quad's first time all year leaving the Midwest. So it's going to be interesting to see, okay, how well does Quad City travel away from the Midwest? We kind of saw that with Peoria already when they made that trip during the week of Thanksgiving and how difficult it can be to win on the road. Pensacola, 8-0 at home, 3-7 and on the road. And it's a night and day difference, too, when you just look at it. It's not just the fact that they're losing. Pensacola is outscoring opponents 38-19. to So a 2-1 to ratio in those eight home games where they're 8-0 on the road, Pensacola's getting outscored 41-21. to They've suffered some bad losses on the road. Doesn't mean Pensacola is a bad team or that they're frauds or anything like that. Like, hey, look, if you take care of business at home and you win some games on the road, chances are you're going to be a top half team by the time we get to the postseason and winning playoff games at home as a higher seeded team gets you to the next round. But it's just interesting to point out that, hey, some of these trends, which ones are going to prove to be true and which ones are going to change over the course of the season. And so for Knoxville, you know, they've won three straight at home, five straight overall. How do they look when they have to face all of these really good teams at home? Do they take advantage of it, or does Knoxville struggle against Roanoke and Quad City? You know, they've got Birmingham coming up. Um, you know, what is that going to look like? How does Knoxville improve after having lost to Birmingham three times already this season? So just a lot of interesting questions that will be answered over the course of the next two weeks. Coming up next, going to talk to Mitch Stewart, the voice of the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. lot to unpack with Mitch. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. That coming up right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Very pleased now on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast to be joined by voice of the Rail Yard Dogs, Mitch Stewart. Mitch is in his third year with Roanoke. Um, it seems to be a good luck charm because in his first two seasons, they make a run to the President's Cup Finals. Then they win the whole thing the following season and have a lot of, key pieces back and they're coming off a really impressive win over Fayetteville at Crown Coliseum on Saturday as they get ready to take on Knoxville this upcoming Friday night. Mitch, really appreciate the time. Really glad to have you on. Um, it, it has been, it, it's kind of a weird season and we'll talk about the whole league landscape in just a second, but for Roanoke specifically, obviously very competitive, kind of sitting with eight wins right now through 16 games, but Despite Fayetteville being at the top of the leaderboard, Roanoke has seemed to match up favorably well against the marksmen so far. Why do you think that's been the case for you all? Yeah, well, I think the first 
three times around, whether it was the two on opening weekend and then you had kind of the one-off with them as well right there on Black Friday. Roanoke has really relied on their physicality. Fayetteville, very speedy team, a lot of speed up front, uh, both on the wings and just kind of in their transition play. But Roanoke, I think, has kind of been able to rough them up a little bit. And I think on Friday night this past weekend in Fayetteville, that was one of the reasons why the Marksmen had so much success in that game against the Rail Yard Dogs. They were winning the board battles. They were blocking shots. They were kind of making life hard for Roanoke to really get anything going offensively. And the effort battle was really kind of, I think, in the Marksmen's favor for those first two periods. Roanoke ends up mounting a comeback, and it falls short. But I do think that that's kind of an advantage that Roanoke has night in and night out if they play up to their capabilities, that they can kind of just push them around a little bit, be a bit more of a physical side. I thought that on Saturday, Roanoke definitely showed up, definitely kind of played up to their potential. And you kind of saw very early on in that Saturday night game, Cam Cook and Mag Jansen get some offsetting roughing penalties. I think that we all know at this point that's not something you see out of Matt Jansen very often. I think that they were kind of trying to send a message to, you know, to, to bring their level up of, of intensity up a little bit than way, maybe where it's been in the past couple of weeks. Because for Roanoke, it, it's like you mentioned, they, they've been playing well, but the consistency's been maybe a little bit, a, a little bit off here in the past couple of weeks. Roanoke, I thought, was really able to play a, a good first 40 minutes on Saturday night and then did enough defensively, relied on a big game from Austin Rodebush to take care of the job and get three out of four points. You mentioned the consistency. Why do you think that's been the case so far for Dan Bremner's team? Yeah, well, for one, I, I think there, there's a lot of teams that deal with the injury bug at different points of the season, but it hit Roanoke right on the back end very quickly with the defenseman group. I mean, C.J. Valerian, Sean Leonard, both unavailable. Those guys have been big pieces for Roanoke in the past couple of years. Alex Norwinski, a local rookie defenseman, had come in and, and really kind of played well his first weekend in the lineup after he had come off the IR. Then he goes right back on. And then I think everyone at this point is well aware of Austin Rodebush and his ability and kind of, I think, the little bit of swagger or edge that he can bring on the back end uh, to a team. And when you look at all those pieces, kind of all unavailable at the same time, and it, it provided some issues, I think, for Roanoke. And defensively, the numbers have still been strong for them. But when you have a couple of those players out, especially players like a Rodebush or like a Sean Leonard that I think kind of can bring the energy in different ways to the team, C.J. Valerian I think is a very well-respected player on the team as well. And the offense just kind of having some off nights, whether you're running into a hot goalie or whether you're just not taking advantage of your opportunities. It, that's been where Roanoke has struggled this year. It really hasn't been defensively all that often, even though that's where they've had the majority of their injuries. But offensively, it just seems like some nights they, they just can't buy a goal. And when they get that offense rolling, we've seen it, that third period display against Pensacola at the beginning of November where Roanoke reels off five goals and just kind of runs away with that game in the third period. Uh, you've seen it in the Fayetteville series where they've scored four goals in each of their four wins against the Marksmen, and they scored three in the one game they lost, and they all came back-to-back-to-back to back to back right at the beginning of that third period on Friday. When they can get that offense rolling, this is a very scary Roanoke team still, but right now I think they're still kind of trying to iron out and find that consistency. 
Talking to voice of the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs, Mitch Stewart here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. It, it seemed like that game on Saturday in particular, it seemed like you had a lot of those offensive chances. Like you got the four goals, which had been kind of the theme with the marksman, but it seemed like there were other grade A chances that Ryan Kenny had to stop. It seemed like puck movement. The four check was working really, really well for Roanoke. It seemed like a complete performance where if you put that together, as you mentioned, on a on a night-in, night-out basis, Roanoke's going to continue to be a tough out for any team, not just Fayetteville, where Roanoke's obviously had a decent amount of success so far through five meetings. Did Saturday's game feel like a potential cornerstone win where Roanoke could theoretically turn the corner as you guys get ready for a nice stretch where you have a few more home games coming up in the next several weeks? Yeah, I think I'd even go back to the third period the night before, where Roanoke really has not played well through 40 minutes uh, in that game. They're they're trailing two to nothing to Fayetteville, and it, it arguably could have maybe been a, a little bit of a wider margin at that point. They come out kind of pants on fire in that third period. They take the lead, and I think they were pretty pretty dejected and upset. It was probably the quietest the bus has been at any point this season after that game Friday, where Fayetteville's able to come back and get that point, or the extra point rather, and overtime beating beating Roanoke four to three. But I think that gave them a lot of confidence to see. Well, we we really didn't play our game for forty minutes. We were able to turn it on. We we get something out of it, and, and maybe even could have won that game. And Saturday night, you saw it right from the get go that they really stepped up that energy level. Really, were taking it to Fayetteville. You mentioned how Roanoke's forecheck can, can really lead to, to them having a lot of success. I think that goes back to the physicality of the rail yard dogs and them being able to kind of force that onto other teams, especially a team like Fayetteville. And I think when you look at the marksmen, their strengths for me this year, they have a very deep group of forwards, very skilled, very speedy, like I mentioned before. I think defensively on the back end, even though they can play good team defense, I don't know how good they are in possession as far as kind of starting the offense from forcing a turnover and behind their own net, working it 200 feet up the ice and scoring chances. I don't think that's necessarily their strength when they're under pressure. And I think that Roanoke was able to kind of really press their, their thumb on that issue or maybe on that kind of inadequacy for Fayetteville in Saturday night's game. You mentioned Ryan Kinney. I thought he played a very good game, especially in the first period to kind of, gave off that pressure for a little bit for Fayetteville, especially in that first 10 minutes or so. And then the marksmen kind of found their footing until CJ Stubbs arrived in that second period and kind of, kind of turned the game on its head a little bit. But yeah, I, I think for the rail yard dogs, that's going to be a big thing for them. And it, just kind of keeping the confidence, it, relying on this core group of players that's been in the room and, and them being able to set the example and, and kind of, keeping on top of some of these incoming pieces that have come in to, to bring them up to that standard. And I'm not sure how much you've had a chance to get to watch Knoxville on film. And and obviously I think, obviously we know what's happening here in Knoxville with the ice bears, but from your perspective, from an outside perspective, what kind of intrigues you the most about the first matchup between these two teams this year from an on ice standpoint with the way the teams are playing right now? Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of new faces uh, from an outside perspective. It, I think everyone was always interested last year, especially the second half of the year, to to watch this matchup, this this rivalry play out. It had so many really fun moments on on either side down the stretch of that season. But 
I think the, the big thing for, for Knoxville and, and watching them over these past few weeks is that they really seem to have this confidence about them where they've been trailing in some games, but kind of that never-say-die attitude where they've pulled some results out, whether it's against a team that might be around them in the standings or one of the better teams in the league, at least on paper, so to speak, where Knoxville has really kind of had that confidence about them that they're going to play till the final horn, whether they're down multiple goals or not. Um, I, obviously, two big names, I think, that are standing out to me that, you, that you've seen Knoxville win without in the past couple of weeks. Brady Florent coming back from the ECHL, Davis Kirkendall getting healthy. Kirkendall, I thought, was a really good pickup last year at the end of the year for Quad City. He looked really strong down the stretch for them, and he's been playing well in Knoxville when he's been healthy. Of course, Brady Florent has been a really high-end goal scorer in this league now for multiple seasons. So, Knoxville was finding ways to win without those guys. And now you get those two back into the lineup. I'm definitely interested to see kind of how they slot in and, and how they kind of can make their impact against a Roanoke team that is obviously known for having a, a pretty stingy defense themselves. Talking to Mitch Stewart, the voice of the Rail Yard Dogs, Knoxville and Roanoke playing each other for the first time of 11 meetings this season coming up on Friday night at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Looking around the rest of the league, Roanoke has not seen everyone. That's going to change for both Knoxville and Roanoke, actually, by the end of this weekend. So Knoxville has not played Roanoke in Quad City. Those are Knoxville's two opponents. Roanoke has yet to play Knoxville and Birmingham. That's who you all have on the docket uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, ironically. So by the end of this weekend, by Monday, we'll be able to say, hey, Knoxville and Roanoke have seen everybody. But does it feels like there's been this cycle of wins. Like So Fayetteville's at the top of the leaderboard. Roanoke seems to have a bit of their number. Birmingham is in second. They've kind of gone back and forth with Pensacola. Peoria got off to a good start. They're in fourth. They've dropped games to Knoxville. Uh, they lost to Evansville the other night. They've dropped a game to Quad City. You, you know, and there's there's just a lot of teams kind of log jammed in the middle of the pack. Macon has not been, been an easy out. Evansville's playing better of late. Does it feel like there's more parity in the league this year from top to bottom than what we saw a year ago? Yes, I, I think absolutely. And that was something I feel like if you go back to when we were just chatting before the season and you see some turnover in a lot of these kind of traditional powerhouse teams, in the SPHL, whether it's Peoria or Huntsville or, or in Knoxville, too, as far as just it, a, a new-look teams for, for all these groups. Even Fayetteville is almost a brand-new roster if you look at last November to this November going into December. It's basically a brand-new team. So I think this year uh, my expectation was that I didn't know if you were going to see maybe one or two teams really run away with it or one or two teams really fall off the pace, as we've seen maybe in the past couple of seasons in the league, and I, I think that's what we're getting right now. I mean, you look at second through eighth, and everyone's between six points of each other. And, and like you mentioned, a Macon team that has a bunch of really close losses. They haven't really been blown out this season. Evansville has two wins in their last four against Roanoke and Peoria, two one-goal losses to those teams kind of sandwiched in between. And uh, I really think that this year it's going to kind of be a bloodbath to see who gets those home ice for the first round of the playoffs, which can be so, so important. Um, but at the same time, I think you're going to see a lot of kind of rising and falling a, a team like Knoxville, per se, who has won five in a row, or a team like Peoria, who's all of a sudden dropped five out of seven. Things can change very drastically, I think, when you have such a, a deep league like this this year. And December is always kind of a month I refer to as moving month because 
there's so many games stacked together where even if you are kind of head and shoulders better than a team on a given night, you may have played four games in eight days by the time we get to the end of December, that week of Christmas going into New Year's. So I think there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Now, for the rail yard dogs, you were, you were talking about them finally seeing Knoxville and Birmingham. I think the one thing that Roanoke feels good about right now, they've already made all three of their Midwest trips. That kind of leaves the only long trip left for them as Pensacola a little bit later on in the year. So they've made the trips already to Peoria, Quad City, Evansville, already knocked those out. So I, I think at this point, they're going to be kind of happy to have gotten rid of some of that bigger travel, the longer travel, and just really excited, I think, to see what they look like against Knoxville, getting to renew that rivalry. And then, of course, a lot of eyes will be, be on Roanoke on Saturday night, that final rematch against the Bulls. Now, obviously, you know you mentioned a lot of different faces. So if I understand correctly, you're expecting a lot more civility this year between Knoxville and Roanoke. Is that correct? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it could always change from, from time to time. I mean, at the beginning of the year last year, Roanoke and Knoxville were playing some really entertaining games, and sure, there were some scraps, but I think everyone everyone knows that it, it definitely took kind of on a, an entirely different gear once it reached about February. And, and Roanoke and Knoxville added five games uh, once Vermillion County folded, which definitely changed the dynamic for sure when you had – those two teams along with Evansville and Huntsville battling for those home seeds for the postseason. And it came down to that last weekend of the regular season. So I don't think that we'll necessarily have the same fireworks on Friday night in Knoxville that maybe we saw over the course of those games in February or, or March of last year, whether it was at the Civic Coliseum in Knoxville or at Burgum Center in Roanoke. But again, you, you never know. There's still 11 matchups starting this Friday between these two teams, fortunately, we'll, we'll get some time where we get to put our heads together and, and watch these two teams go at it. But, yeah, I, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a very good challenge for, for Roanoke where you're getting a Knoxville team that is very hungry, very confident right now. They seem to have a, a, a really strong air of, of confidence in their ability since Andrew Harrison took over the reins and, and getting a couple good players back, like we said, in, in Florent and Kirkendall here recently and for the rail yard dogs you're hoping that you can kind of start to string some games together where Roanoke hasn't really after that hot start been able to put two three games together back to back to back I think they're hoping to do that this weekend with the short road trip down to Knoxville and then uh, what will be a big game of course against Birmingham as well on Saturday night back at home and you've already mentioned like Austin Rodebush coming back off the IR and and how much that obviously helped Roanoke, especially on Saturday. You don't really talk about goalies being energy guys a whole lot in hockey, but Rodebush seems to be kind of one of the exceptions there. I guess, what was the feel of just getting him off the IR, but then seeing him on the ice on Saturday doing what, you know, we've kind of all known for him to do over the last several seasons? Yeah, well, I mean, Austin at this point has played almost 100 games just in Roanoke. In the SPHL, obviously, he spent time before in Knoxville. He spent time uh, for a while in, in Birmingham as well, very quickly, and, and played in the FPHL. So a lot of experience for him throughout this league, but especially in that locker room in Roanoke. So I think one thing is just the fact that he's obviously a big leader on this team. And then for anyone that knows him personally, I mean, his, his personality is, is just off the charts. The guy is very, very entertaining to be around. And then, of course, on the ice, He's had you know, the goalie fight last season against Trevor Babin of Knoxville. You had 
his his December Player of the Month run last season where he played nearly every minute for Roanoke during that huge winning streak that they reeled off. And at the same time, he gets President's Cup MVP, and he ends up, I think, with 19 penalty minutes during during that playoff run, if I remember correctly, or something like that, uh, with, with some of the, the different plays that happened. So he he's just a big energy person. Like you said, his personality is kind of larger than life, kind of reminds me almost of, of like a WWE type of personality in the net. And I think that that gives you a lot of energy when you hear him kind of chirping guys out on the ice, which maybe not all goalies would do. And he's a very big dude and he puts up the numbers to back it up at the same time. So I think when you kind of put that all together into a cauldron and and stir it up and and you come out with someone like Austin Rodebush, it can be a huge, huge jolt to your team. And that's not to take anything away, of course, from Tyler Roy, who just signed with, with the make and mayhem. He had some really good performances for Roanoke with Rodebush hurt and Brody Clay's dealing with a bit of an illness. Brody Clay's has had to play, a whole heck of a lot with Rodebush out as well. And I think that he's done a very good job, obviously a very experienced goaltender, both in this league and the ECHL. But I think Austin Rodebush on a night in and night out basis, when he can play to the top of his ability, there's not many guys I think that you could point out around in the league that you can say they bring maybe more between the pipes than an Austin Rodebush does. And I think that that does give kind of a different level for the rail yard dogs on that back end when they know that they have someone like him kind of backstopping them, hoping, hoping to bail them out from time to time when they do make some of those mistakes. He's Mitch Stewart, the voice of the Roanoke rail yard dogs and Mitch for any SPHL fans listening that maybe want to check into a game that don't have access to flow hockey currently. What, what's an alternate way that fans can tune into rail yard dog games this year? Yeah, so so we've been on Mixler still, so that is that is the free online radio stream that we go through. Whether you find it on a desktop app or on an actual laptop desktop, whatever you want to do, or they actually do have the app itself uh, on both the Apple and I think Android uh, app stores. So you can go find it there, and I think it's just uh, backslash rail dash yard dash dogs, um, and, and you can find all that information on our website. But yeah, it's it's been a really interesting couple of, of weeks here for both Roanoke and just to watch throughout the league. I, I know that we've chatted back and forth from time to time, just being like, holy smokes, did you see that score? Or did you see that team pull off that comeback? I know that we both were freaking out that Fayetteville-Huntsville game a couple of weeks ago, but I think we're really kind of squared away here for what's going to be a really fun second half of the season. This first quarter to a third has already been – really entertaining and I'm excited to see some uh, some Roanoke and Knoxville clashes down the stretch with you my man yeah it, it has been wild with some of these results I, it just and not to call out one team specifically but just kind of a few weeks ago you know Pensacola shuts out Birmingham then Pensacola gets blown out by Birmingham then Pensacola sweeps Peoria then Pensacola gets blown out by Quad City like so like so any given night like you you kind of look ahead at your schedule and you can't really circle easy wins like and I feel like in past years you could do that where you had games like saying oh well we know we can get two points here but if we can just like split this down the middle and now you're looking at your whole schedule thinking man this is going to be like a four-month war that we're going to have to fight through just to 
battle for playoff seating. So it, it really is definitely going to be a lot of fun. He, he's Mitch Stewart. He's the voice of the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. You'll be able to hear him on Flow Hockey and on Mixler throughout the course of the season if you're wanting to follow SPHL Hockey. And Mitch, really appreciate the time. A, a safe bus trip down to Knoxville this Friday night. We will see you then. Um, and really appreciate you joining the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Yeah, Joel, thank you so much for having me. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, and <laughs> here, here on the uh, on the podcast series. But no, man, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you this Friday. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you so much for having me again. Really appreciate Mitch Stewart for joining the show. I hope you've enjoyed listening as well. Remember, Knoxville against Roanoke this Friday at 735. And then Knoxville's next five home games are a 6 o'clock start time. So that Saturday game against Quad City is going to be at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have the call for you for every Ice Bears game home and away on 92.5 WKCE, the flagship station of the Knoxville Ice Bears. You can also listen for free on the Knoxville Ice Bears game day app. And, of course, you can watch all the action on Flow Hockey. Tickets are available at KnoxvilleIceBears.com through Ticketmaster. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll talk to you next time on the KIB Pod.